welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone. It's Wednesday, May the 10th, 2017, and thank you for tuning in and joining us live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Canada, and we have beautiful sunshine still at 7 p.m., which is what I love about daylight savings. So always a pleasure to come back to you a second time in a week, because we were here Monday night with Amy Slatter from Book 14, and now I'm going all the way back to Book 3, and I'm really pleased to introduce Andy Craig and Andy is in book three and the title of his chapter is called restoration and we will definitely talk about where that name derived from but let me tell you about Andy he is a keynote speaker and trainer his personal stories about overcoming failure and achieving success are truly captivating people love listening to him He's considered a master at helping people discover their purpose, vision, and destiny in their life. Andy has the ability to help people identify their inherent gifts to achieve the results they want in their life. He specializes in showing individuals and organizations how to overcome obstacles and achieve high levels of success, not only in their personal lives, but also in their career. Andy is known for showing people how to deal with adversity and frustration and letting nothing stop them. Andy helps people and organizations change for the better. His business and communication skills are second to none. He has achieved high levels of success in life and business. He is a recognized community leader, and he also was a candidate for the United States Senate. So we're going to talk to him about all of this and more. So Andy, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Thank you very much, Deb. It's a wonderful it's wonderful to be here with you, a fellow world changer. Well, and it's fun for me because on Monday I was speaking to someone, Amy Slatter in book fourteen, and here I am going back to almost the beginning with you in book three. So why don't we dive in and, and talk about that? So you were in one sure. of the first few books in book three, and your chapter is titled Restoration. So can you tell me, first of all, what drew you to Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and wanting to join the Changebook community? It was a platform from which to grow, and they had seen that I had run for Senate, and I got a call for email. I believe it was actually an email from Jim Britt, and he basically said, hey, we're looking to put together this book here. It's a series of books, and we saw what you've done. Are you interested in joining the team? Obviously, that's a short version of it. And I thought it was a great opportunity, so I went for it. And I'm so glad you did because we are now in book 15. And to know that here I am in Canada and you're in Oklahoma and we have Australia and New Zealand and Europe and Asia. And we are just slowly changing the world with with our global book series. So 
Let's talk about your chapter restoration. First of all, where did the name come from? That's an interesting... It came from where the platform from my campaign came from. And when you read through the chapter, I actually go into where my platform came from. And it was where I felt our nation was at back in 2014. And I looked at what I call the values that this nation has or was reflecting at that time. And I felt as though there had been a departure from the traditional values on which this nation was founded, and that sincerely grieved my heart. And so my battle cry became, after a lot of thought and prayer, the restoration of the traditional values on which this nation was founded. And so the title came out of that platform, Restoration, Restoring Those Values, so Restoration. And I was looking at that from the perspective of many of us in our lives when we're looking at change, so obviously this is the change book series. When we're looking at change, we don't necessarily need a change for to do something different. For many of us, what we actually need is a restoration of where where our roots were, whatever those roots may have been. Maybe we have departed from things that have worked in the past. Maybe we have departed from what we were taught growing up. Maybe we have departed from principles that were working for us once before, but for whatever reason, we have departed from what has worked, and so we need to be restored to those previous workings. And so that's what was driving that chapter title at that time. Well, and I love the imagery that that you gave for that in your chapter, and I, I enjoyed reading your chapter. And can you give us an update on you ran for Senate? It's your story to tell. So I, I know the response and I know the answer from reading your chapter. But can you give us a little insight of was that a restoration for you or was that just a dream or a goal? Or how did you end up being a candidate and what was the outcome? And where are you now with that? I wound up running because I felt called to run. The I'll try and give you a short version here. The the Oklahoma senator at that particular time made the announcement that he was going to be retiring from office two years early. And when that announcement was made, I already had the idea that I was going to be running for Senate because we had our other senator that was up for re-election, and I thought, well, okay, he has served for a great number of years. Thank you very much for your service. Let's get some new blood in there. So I was already planning to run, but when this announcement was made, I'm like, hmm, well, that might be a little less challenging to do. So after talking with my wife about it, we decided that I'd go ahead and run. So we went ahead and went through the process of running, and that is a whole process in and of itself, and we can talk about that in detail here depending on where this goes here. So I went through the running process. Uh, the decision was made in June to run. Uh, filing, filed for the office in April, and then the election, the primary election, I should say, was in June. So I, the election was in June, and I received just shy of 2,500 votes. Obviously, that was not enough for me to win the primary. Otherwise, I'd be back in Washington, D.C. right now serving this great nation. And so as a result of that race, I've taken that platform, what I learned from that experience from running, and now I've gone out into speaking with it so that I can share that experience 
with other people so that they can move forward in their goals. Because a lot of us, in my experience, are afraid of failure or afraid of the results of failure. The reality is failure is nothing to fear, as I'm sure you're well aware of. Failure is simply a learning process. We can learn much more from our failures than we can from our successes. I've heard one speaker say that if I would teach for on my successes, I could speak for a day. However, if I speak on my failures, I can teach for a week. And I think all of us would pretty much have that same kind of a mindset. We can learn so much more from our failures than we can from our successes. And so that's what I talk about from the from my tenant campaign experience is what I learned out of that experience and helped to impart that into people. And there's a lot of lessons that I learned from that. And I talk about that in my keynote speech. So it, for me, it's become a platform. It's one of the things that I've gone through. And it's also something for me to learn from the next time that I run for office because I will run for office later on. I just don't know when or what that's going to look like yet. Well, that's exciting. You sound very wise for a young person. And where did your political interests, um, did you have family or a relative? Or where did you, I guess, gather the, the knowledge and the insight to want to run? Where did that come from? Where did I get the desire, I think, is what you're asking. Yeah, but I think desire comes, it's got to come from a foundation of interest, right? So there had to be a life experience or an exposure that you may have had at one time. Where did that begin for you? This might sound a little crazy for you, but it actually came from a church service. We were in a church service, my now wife, she was my fiance at that time, and the minister that was over the, I think this is an evening service. Yeah, it was an evening service. And he made a comment saying that there was an individual that was going to run for a certain office uh, present in that meeting. And I looked over at my wife and we talked back and forth. And and the result of that was, okay, well, maybe that's me. I, don't, I have absolutely no idea. And so I thought about that for a little while. And I thought, okay, well, if I need to run for office, I'll run for office. And it was more of a reluctant desire to run at that particular point, but that morphed into a full-on desire to run for office just based upon where I see the nation or where we were uh, at that particular time. This was back in 2010. Uh, I didn't like where we were as a nation at that particular point, and I wanted to see some things change or, as my chapter talks about, maybe more accurately say be restored. And so I was frustrated with where I was seeing things. And if you look at at our American government system, we still have a lot of jagged edges per se going on, a lot of bickering back and forth. What people call politics, I prefer to refer to as government issues because politics to me is a government. It's a it's a struggle. It's a power struggle. Politics happens in every area of life. So I refer to it as government service. When you actually go either state service, well, any service, any level of service, whether it's city, state, or federal, it's all service. And a power struggle going on. And to me, that's that's a lot. That's the root of where we have the breakdown and why we're not able to get so much stuff done. And so I wanted to be a, a call it a solution for that or or attempt to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And so that is what led into the desire to run. And when the announcement was made from the previous senator that he would no longer run, that's when I went and said, okay, it's time for me to step up to the plate, put my money where my mouth is, I'm running. 
Well, and I love I love your use of words there because when I think about the word service, the first thing that comes to mind, and, and I can sense you're a Christian man, is services, you know, by definition, the action of helping or doing work for someone. And when you think politics, there's words like debate and conflict and animosity, and, and there is an achievement of power there. So I love the way you frame that to say that you'd rather work as uh, within a government service as as opposed to saying politics. So I think that speaks to your character and uh, I wish you well. I think, I think that you have the right mindset and you certainly have the desire and the drive. There was a paragraph in your chapter on page 38 that I'd like to read for the listeners because I, I loved the visual that you wrote so eloquently. So I'm just going to read this paragraph uh, for everyone and then sure. I'd like to talk to you about it. So this is from uh, Andy Craig's chapter in the change book series in book three, and it's called the chapter is titled restoration, which Andy just so eloquently told us why he chose that name. And I, I just, I love the premise of that word and what it stands for. And, and, and it makes me feel like what we just talked about that our successes really come from the culmination of our, our failures. So let me read from page 38, uh, the, these two paragraphs, because I, they gave me a chuckle and I love the way you framed it. So here we go. My campaign platform represented the restoration of the traditional values on which this nation was founded. Let me give you a visual for what I mean. I compared our nation and our value system to a fruit tree. When a fruit tree is healthy, it produces big, juicy, succulent fruit that we desire to eat and truly enjoy. However, when a fruit tree has a diseased root system, it produces shriveled, nasty, ugly fruit that we have no desire to eat. Our nation is like a fruit tree with a diseased root system. Our nation's leadership core values are producing some very poor fruit, such as 18 trillion in debt and counting, a question as to what is life, a question as to what is marriage, and a question as to what should we as Americans be allowed to do with respect to our religious expression. So I get the imagery, I get the oxymoron of what you're trying to frame there, but you were able to really cover a lot of your value system in that paragraph. Explain to to our listeners, what was your mindset when you chose to write this chapter and, and where were you emotionally and cognitively when you were writing this? Very interesting question. My mindset was to simply share what I had learned coming out of the campaign, which is not always the easiest thing to do, or at least this wasn't for me. It's one thing to have an experience. It's another thing to be able to frame that experience in words that clearly communicate that experience. So I was trying my best to put this into a framework that would make sense for people and to simply share where I was. And and emotionally, I was in a space of wanting to to share, wanting to – this was the most valued experience that I have had uh, at at that particular point, and I wanted to share that experience with people. 
I wanted them to understand where it was I was coming from. And I looked at it as well as a way of, of marketing myself, per se, uh, in case I decided to run again in the future, which I do. I'm mean, Meaning when I do run, here's where I'm coming from. Here's my value system. So it's it works out there because a lot of, of other – uh, candidates or people that are currently holding office right now, they will write books to talk about their platform, what it is that they want to see done. So to me, this was a very short version of what other candidates have already done. So it was a way for me to share my experience, a way for me to pour into the people, and a way for me to also go ahead and say, hey, here's who I am. That way you have absolutely no question as to who I am when I choose to run again. And I it ties into my next question. You talk about the acronym BHAG in your chapter, <laughs> which stands for Big Harry Audacious Goal. So would being would re-entering government service for you and winning, would that be one of those goals for you? At the appropriate time, yes. And Absolutely. How do you know when it's going to be the appropriate time, or do you? I have an idea of when that might be, but a concrete idea, no. For me, it really comes down to I felt called in this particular race to run, and I seriously thought that I was going to win. Of course, you can't run a race unless you feel like you're going to win it unless you truly believe that you're going to win it. You don't go into something half-hearted just to um, – there are people that do it just to get the name recognition. But for me, I was going after it because I really, truly felt I was going to win. As a result of that, I knew that it was something I was supposed to do. What I didn't know was the reason for that. And the reason for that was to get me prepared for my next race whenever that is. It's to give me a platform from which to speak from as well. I, I talk about this uh, when I speak to audiences. I, I use this experience as one of my stories to go off when people ask me questions around that. When it comes later down the road, it will be something that I am feeling called to as well. I will go into my prayer closet, I will pray, and I will get a tugging per se, whatever you want to call it, and that, okay, now is the time to run again for whatever office it happens to be. Well, I, I think that that sounds like wise words, and, and I think you're certainly in tune with knowing when and if it's the right time. And I know that you speak with purpose, and I know that you love keynote speaking and training. So your website is www.andycraig.com. Speaks.com. And I know you have an audio training series on passionately pursuing purpose, and I know it's extremely popular. So would you give us an overview of how you developed that and where that came from and just what was your passion, not to make a pun there, but for, <laughs> for creating it and giving it such a powerful name? Well, that is a loaded question there, a very loaded question. 
Yes, I do have my series, Passionately Pursuing Purpose. Uh, it is available for anyone to get. The website from which to purchase it is not quite up yet. That's currently in development. However, if someone wants to get it, they can email me at info at com. We can discuss that. And I almost forgot to mention that I do have a newsletter as well that I can send out. It's a $97 value. And if someone emails me at info at com, uh, I will go ahead and send that newsletter to them as well. As far as the CD series goes, it's a culmination of what I have learned to this point in life. Uh, combines my centered experience, let me rephrase that, my centered race experience. Big difference in words there. Combines that along with what I have learned through the various seminars I've been through and just through life. All of us have experiences that we have learned through life, and this is a culmination of that. I have a one of the CD titles is Own Yourself. And I talk about that concept, what I call owning yourself meaning we all have experiences that we go through in life and many of us have experiences that we're quite frankly ashamed of and so I discuss how we can go back and own those memories own those experiences and when we own them when we take personal responsibility for them that actually begins to empower us because we learn what we were thinking at that particular time and when we know how we were thinking and what results that thinking gave us, we can turn around and say, oh, okay, that thinking produced this result. I don't like this result, so I need to change my thinking so I can produce better results. And so when we own ourselves, when I own myself, all of my past experiences now become a platform from which I can launch myself into my future because I can now make better decisions in whatever situation I'm in and thereby create better results. So I go into that and own yourself. I also talk about how habits are can either be our servant or our master, one or the other. They can't be both. And I go into that whole process there. I have a, have a section in there in which I actually walk through a series of questions to help the listener figure out who they are. What is their purpose? What is it that they would do if they knew they couldn't fail? I have a series of questions that I ask in there. And it's very rewarding to go through that and say, hey, you've got greatness inside of you. Let's dig down deep and pull out that greatness because there are too many people I've discovered that because of life and the stuff that we go through in life, the mud that we get on our face, it can cloud our vision. It can cloud our dreams. It can even sometimes almost virtually erase them because we just go through experiences that aren't fun, that don't produce the results that we want, and we kind of beat ourselves down. But when we can drill down through all that muck and that mire and look at that individual as the prized jewel that they are, what I like to call a masterpiece. When I look at that individual as a masterpiece and help them understand who they are created to be, we can pull them up out of that cesspool of life, if there are in a cesspool, clean that stuff off, and guess what? That cesspool of life now becomes an experience in which we can share with the world and say, hey, I've been through this bunch of stuff over here, and man, let me tell you, it's not fun. But because I came through it, I am victorious, and let me show you how you can be victorious. And I go through a whole lot of stuff in this 
CD series to help the listener determine who they are, rediscover, in many cases, what their dreams are, rediscover what their passion is, rediscover who they are created to be, who that masterpiece is inside, so they can step into that greatness that they were created to be. That's what CD series is all about. Well, and I, I loved when you said applied jewel. What a what a lovely description to to give to someone and just the way you describe that, I, I love it. So I see that you're a man of faith, so I always love asking questions on the spot because it's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> what what Go is right your faith what is your favorite um biblical scripture that would be relational to communication? Oh, I quoted all over the place. Uh, oh, in relation to communication, though, you said? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Actually, I will still use it because it still works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that we are a masterpiece created in the image of Christ Jesus for a specific work that he created for us long ago before the beginning of time so that we can live the good life that he prepared for us to live. When I understand that I am a masterpiece and that I have a specific purpose to pursue here on earth, and I speak from that perfection that I am created in, that helps me to communicate from a position of purpose, from a position of victory, because I am now victorious. It doesn't matter what the heck I've gone through in the past. I am now victorious. I am now a masterpiece. I am now perfection, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. When I come from that point of view in my communication, I am laser-focused, I am on purpose, I am driven, and I can communicate with an individual at their level of masterpiece and perfection as well. And any individual that looks at themselves from this viewpoint as a masterpiece, as a victorious one, can also come from that viewpoint of, victor- of victory as they're talking. And so when we all operate from this mindset of masterpiece, perfection, and victory, we can have an amazing conversation and create phenomenal results in our lives. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, I mean, I've been talking to you for like 30 minutes, and as you were talking and answering some of my questions, the biblical scripture that I would give in knowing you for the short time is Proverbs sixteen twenty three because I think that's what you represent. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. And that's, that is my <laughs> first impression of you, Andy. And I think it's quite fitting. So I know that you, I don't want to take away from the story, but I know that you landed up doing a joint event with another change book author from book five that I'll let you talk about. And neither of you knew that you had written in the change. So would you share with us that story? Sure. Shell Jennings and I did a event almost a year ago now called the 
Purposely Executing Dreams Conference. It was here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We did it with a mutual friend of ours. And we went to the event not knowing one another at all. We never met. And it was at the very end of the conference where she had her chapter out, her, her book out, and I had mine out as well. I looked over at her and went, you're in the change? Whoa, I'm in the change. And we both had this revelation of we were in the change together. We didn't even know it. And she lives about four or five hours drive from me. I'm on the western side of the state. She's on the east. I'm sorry. I got that reversed. I'm on the eastern side of the state. She's on the western side of the state. And so we had this wonderful revelation together. We took a photo of ourselves with our books there and posted it on Facebook. It was a great time. But, yeah, we're, we're both in the change. She's in change five, and I'm in change three. And I, these are the stories that I get the privilege and honor of hearing every week and interviewing all of the different co-authors. Like, I feel like I'm the concierge of the change, and I have all the books, and I've read, I've pretty, mel- I've pretty much read to the end of book 12. Book 13, uh, I just uh, received. Book 14 is coming out in July, and then book 15 is, is already half full. So what do you see is the benefit of this community and, and how involved have you got? I mean, I know that you have uh, met Cheryl and you did a conference together and now we've chatted on the Changebook radio show. What have you done to date in terms of reaching out to other authors or what would you like to do in the future? That for me has been kind of a... Achilles heel for me because most of the authors are quite active and I won't say most because I don't know for a a fact if that's accurate or not. Many of the authors is a better way to say it are very active over social media and I am not active on social media at all. I'm on it but I'm not active and there is a difference there. I have a Facebook presence and I have a presence on other social sites there. I have reached out to a handful of authors so far. I can't even tell you the names right now because I'm forgetting that. I want to say Rich Perry is one of them, and Michael Schmigden is another one, and a few others that I've seen listed in there. And it's just me with social media. I just don't get into Facebook to list things. I go in there occasionally, say, hey, guys, how you all doing? Here's what I'm doing kind of a thing, just a real brief update. And that's something that, honestly, I want to get better at, but it's – just not something that I'm good at because honestly I don't like Facebook I don't like social media just because I see so much of the non-productive results coming from social media rather than the productive results from social media and there's some great things that social media can do I just seem to see the stuff that I that that is not very productive more than I see the productive stuff. So it would it, it would be good for me to reach out just because of doing other joint ventures because I've seen on there uh, through my email various announcements come up with various co-authors doing joint ventures together, doing conferences together, things like that. And that is something that I would really like to, to do is reach out with some of the other co-authors and, hey, let's go ahead and do an event together. Let's go ahead and, and do a speaking arrangement or, or a joint venture or something just because, hey, we're all in this community together. We're here to create a win-win solution. We're all here to empower others. We're all here to help people live better lives. That's what this whole community is all about is uplifting and encouraging and, and helping one another be the best that they can be. And 
just being transparent here, I have not been the best at doing that. So when you ask that question, I kind of grimaced going, oh, boy. <laughs> I've not been very good in this area at all, and it's something that I want to get better at. So that that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek version, not, not version, tongue-in-cheek answer of how I've been with the community. I've talked with a few, but not nearly as many as what I need to, uh, just because I don't get on social media that often. Well, and I can honestly tell you, you are not the only co-author that feels that way. I have had many co-authors share that exact sentiment that you just did. It's either a comfort level, lack of knowledge, or it's just not been part of their business model. So my question to you is, have you ever had a phone call with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz since your original um, talk with them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've talked with Jim and- Lutz multiple times, actually. And and I encourage that because so many co-authors have not called them and they're always posting to reach out, call, and I speak with both of them on a regular basis. And again, I think when people are first um, introduced or have exposure to the change, it's not a chapter in a book. Like you are being catapulted into a global community of just untapped potential is the easiest way to say it. You can be as busy as you want to be, but you've got to reach out and let people know, here's who I am, here's what I'm doing. And I find for people that struggle, you know, to figure out what their branding is. I mean, Jim Lutz is such a master when it comes to marketing. And I I love the the, um, two skill sets that the two of them bring together, but I've never had apprehension to call them. So I'm happy to hear that you've had multiple phone calls because it's one of the the main things that I'm always encouraging the co-authors to do and, and will continue to do because they're there for us. And I just think that that's such a beautiful relationship to have. Oh, absolutely. And I'll, I'll put this in here. I was, I don't remember how long ago this was, a year and a half, roughly speaking, ago. I was going through a very discouraging time, and I just wanted to talk to one of them to say, hey, I just want to hear you tell me that I can do it. It was just in those moments, which we all have. And so I had uh, emailed uh, Jim Britt and say, hey, you know, can we talk? And he said, yeah, go ahead and schedule a time here. And just where I was emotionally in that particular moment, I didn't do that just because I'm like, well, I need to talk to you now. That's what I was thinking. That's kind of where it was. And so that moment passed. But when it comes to, to talking with either one of them, they're open. I e- emailed Jim Britt, and he's just going to say, hey, you know, schedule a time with me here, and we'll talk. He's he's right there. And Jim Luch, you just call him and say, hey, and if he's available, he'll answer the phone. If he's not, you leave him a voice, but he'll call you back. Both of them are very open, very wanting to talk with everyone in the community. And, and with as large as this community is, they cannot reach out to each individual themselves all the time. I I don't even know how many co-authors we have right now for a book 15 because I can't remember how many are in my book off the top of my head. But that's over 100 people bare minimum. That's a lot of people to be talking to on a regular basis. So if you are feeling discouraged, if you're feeling like you need some help wherever you are, don't wait for someone to call you. 
you take that step and you initiate that conversation with Jim Lutz, with Jim Britt, or any other co-author. We're all human. We all go through stuff, and we all need encouragement from time to time. It's our responsibility to reach out to them, and when you've got two individuals that have been around this industry for that long a period of time waiting for your phone call to say, hey, I need some help, take it up. Talk to them. They're there to help you. Exactly, and that is exactly what they both say. So thank you for just reiterating the importance of that, and I'm glad that you're doing that. And I love your transparency that you've talked about during this interview, Andy, about feeling emotional, about looking at our failures, because I agree with you. I'm a huge proponent of I feel I've learned more from my failures and every time there's been a failure, I've been an entrepreneur for 27 years at the end of May. And every time I've had a failure, which I like to call an experience, there's always been greatness waiting around the corner. And I think that life hands us all these different lessons and it's all in how we choose to perceive it and interpret it and then process it and figure out where is this going to fit or what am I to learn? And I think as I've grown and learned as an entrepreneur, I wouldn't go back and change anything because those experiences have allowed me to live a fuller life and be more relatable and more genuine and more authentic as a coach and a teacher and a trainer. And I think that's what coaching clients want. They don't want the bells and the whistles and the fluffiness and all the fanciness. I am just very real life, life experience. What are your big, hairy, audacious goals as you talk about in your chapter and what and what do we need to do to get there and just you know what I just think that life warrants simplicity and we are meant to be human beings not human doings and I think we complicate things so much and I would love for you to share with the listeners we're at the middle of 2017 what are some of your goals for this year? And do you have any training courses or speaking keynotes that you've got coming up that you can share with us that what kind of what's on your plate for the rest of 2017? Right now I'm in the middle of launching my speaking business. So that is the primary focus. And that's what the website Andy Craig speaks is all about. It's to get that out there to all the organizations that are out there. So uh, I'm in process of doing that. And that is my big goal is to get that going there, uh, to have, uh, I'm looking to book 10 additional speaking engagements here over the next three months and um, get in front of a certain number of audiences uh, to go ahead and move a certain amount of product and so forth. I've got a DVD that's being edited right now as well that's going to go with my CD series. And so once that's done, that uh, bundle right now is going to be available to, to everyone. I mean, it's available right now if they want it. They just won't have the product for a little while. But that's basically where, where I am right now is uh, working on getting those engagements booked and moving forward with that. And as far as upcoming, it's going to be for associations and so forth. So I don't have anything that's immediately upcoming that I can direct people to just yet. Uh, but when they email me for the newsletter, I can go ahead and send out that information as soon as it's available. 
and we can go ahead and, and get them into those events as they become available. So uh, I, I'm, my big goal is, is to simply get this speaking business completely launched up there and, and moving so I can help those uh, around me work towards their big, hairy, audacious goals. Well, I think you're going to do it, Andy, and I, I think you have such a great outlook and approach on, on the way you decide to do things and how you want to execute your speaking. So I just, I truly wish you all the best with your keynote speaking, and I, I really want to keep in touch with you. There's some other authors that are in and around your area as well as in Washington. So I'm definitely going to sit and look at the list because one of my goals to be successful and give back in my role as hosting as the Changebook radio show host is I know where everybody is and it's much easier for me to say, hey, I should connect Andy with so-and-so in Washington or Florida. or So I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to make a note because there's a couple of um, authors that are coming to mind just after hearing you speak and hearing what some of your values and beliefs are and just your passion in general for, for speaking. So I want to say thank you for spending uh, time with me tonight, and I wish you all oh, the best. And uh, good luck with your international. With you. Absolutely, and good luck with your international speaking business. And and I'll be one of those people that can say, "Hey, I I knew him when." <laughs> absolutely, and vice versa with you. Thank you so much for uh, interviewing me here. It's been a pleasure being with a, as I mentioned before, a pleasure world changer. As we're here, all in in the change series to change people's lives and, and rock this world for the better. So um, best wishes to you as well. Thanks, Andy. We are change agents and change makers and we're, and we're in the change. It doesn't get any better than that. So you take care and thanks again for joining me tonight on the change book radio show. Absolutely. Andy I just love his spirit and I love his uh, genuineness and authenticity for the passion that he has to speak and just the power that he has to offer his talents and education and experience in government service. And I think we will see you as a candidate one day, Andy Craig, in the United States Senate. And it'll be nice to say that you're a colleague and a friend from the Change Book series. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in and just a couple of quick announcements. Next week, uh, the week of May the 15th, we will not be having a show on May the 17th because I am doing some work-life balance and taking a week's holidays. But we had an amazing lady scheduled for May the 17th, uh, another fellow Canadian, Maggie Slider from Book 13, and I'm going to interview her this Saturday on May the 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So feel free to tune in and we will make a post on Blog Talk Radio and for all the social media platforms that we have the Change Book series currently on. So thanks again. It's been such a pleasure being with you a second time this week. And I wish everyone a great night. And I'll see you back here on Saturday afternoon, May the 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Keep well and be well.